Welcome to yet another episode of Combo's Court. Today's show, Amber Wilson of ESPN Radio joins in to talk NBA Finals, Miami Heat Outlook, and more. Just a fantastic conversation with Amber. You could catch Amber on the Joe and Amber Show on ESPN Radio. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Amber Wilson, ESPN Radio. How you feeling? Welcome to Combo's Court. Ah, uh, thanks. I'm happy to be here. I'm feeling pretty good. Be feeling a little bit better. The Heat were up three week one over uh, the Nuggets in this series, but you know, feeling yeah. all right. Great TV hit not too long ago, and when I heard you on there, I think it was KJM on ESPN. Great work. When I heard you on there, you sounded very optimistic. How optimistic are you at this point? Well, it's happened one time in NBA history, right? So uh, <laughs> not so optimistic. Uh, listen, the reality is that we knew what this matchup looked like on paper. And unfortunately, in this series, more often than not, that is played out on the court. The other series that we witnessed through the Eastern Conference, the run for the Miami Heat, we also know what it looked like on paper. It just didn't play out on the court the same way. In this series, it's certainly gone more according to plan for the Nuggets, I don't know if Jimmy Butler is a little injured. Obviously, the Nuggets are doing a decent job, decent, not excellent job defensively, decent job defensively on this team. And perhaps either maybe out of a little of that gas and magic that they had for their Eastern Conference Finals run. I mean, the reality is the best player on the court in this series at any given time is wearing the uniform that's not playing for my team. Unfortunately, that's just how great Jokic is. In game two, I was really confident. I was confident going into game two, even though the Heat had lost in game one because I felt like the Nuggets actually looked beatable. You know, people were acting like they were like the 2016 Warriors. And Mm -hmm. I saw cracks in that foundation. We exploited that in game two. But man, at this point, it just feels like every time we punch, they figure out a way to counterpunch. Maybe the coaching mismatch isn't quite the same disparity as we saw in some of the other series in the East. You mentioned Jimmy. And just looking back on it, have you seen any changes in his movement patterns? Do you see him look like a player that's a little bit injured since that ankle injury with the Knicks? Uh, He reminds me a little bit of what we saw from him in the 2020 finals when we were up against the Lakers. Now, that was in the bubble, but it was like by the time that we got to that actual finals, he just seemed gassed. And he was, you know, the famous picture of him just like leaning over right. the, you know, <laughs> that whole thing. And he was so, ga- he he reminds me a little of that. So I do wonder if it's exhaustion or if it's the ankle injury that he suffered back against the Knicks. It might be a combo of both. There ain't no excuses here. Like he's out there playing, right? He's out there playing the entire game. I don't want to be the Heat fan that uses it. As an excuse, the reality is everyone's a little banged up at this point in the season. You have to have enough around you to sustain. He hasn't seemed like the same guy, though, that we've seen in other series. At times, doing an excellent job against Jamal Murray defensively, but we need more aggression from him 
offensively. And the reality is when the shooters aren't shooting, it has been a rough series from people far beyond Jimmy Butler. So Jimmy definitely does not deserve all the blame when you don't have the Max Struces and the Gabe Vincents of the world able to step up and have the shooting performances that they'd had in the other series, then it's just going to put so much on Jimmy and it's probably too much on Jimmy, regardless of how that ankle feels. Yeah. I think it's important to say he's still playing good to great. It's just not right. him. It's just not Hemi Butler anymore. Well, that's what, so that's what it is. Like he's still great. <laughs> but it's not superhero great. And we were used to this playoff Jimmy superhero. You know, this is what legends are made of, Jimmy Butler. And man, I'd love for him to be able to do it on this stage in the finals. But that's the problem when you're the eighth seed. And that's the problem when you have one superstar on your team. Yeah. Um, you know, the Heat, obviously playing at a talent deficit. Everybody knows that. I know you're a defender of Miami Heat sports, but I'm sure you agree with me that the Nuggets yeah. have a little more talent. Has Spo done everything he could do here? And on top of that, what adjustments do you think he could make, if any? I mean, I think we've seen it, right? I thought he made some really good adjustments where game one, I, I didn't understand why he didn't play Kevin Love. He obviously corrects that in game two, brings in some more size that allows Jimmy to go over to Jamal Murray defensively. That was effective game three. The problem with this last game is they still implemented the same strategy where you cut off the head of the snake, right? Steve Kerr called Jamal Murray the head of the snake there in Denver. And he really is, because you're not going to do anything to stop Jokic. So you try to stop at least Jamal Murray and try to disrupt their game plan from there on and, and let Jokic cook. Except for we still saw them be fairly effective defensively against Murray. And then the supporting cast of Denver steps up in game four. And that's just problematic. Again, it's like any punch Spo throws and he's the best in the game in the postseason at throwing the punches here. Michael Malone's been able to counter punch because the reality is Malone's got a little bit more talent on his team than maybe Spoh's working with. I think Spoh's done a spectacular job. I think everybody, yeah. I mean, it's a consensus. Everybody thinks he's a top three coach in the league. I think he's the best coach in the league. I'm a little biased, but there's a lot of people that aren't biased that also think that he's done a remarkable job. But again, you're up against Jokic, you're up against Jamal Murray, and you're up against a Denver Nuggets team that came into this series very well rested and sort of breezed through the West. I mean, they were the best team in the NBA all season long. A lot of people were sleeping on them. I don't know why. I don't think anybody's sleeping on them anymore. With all due respect to Steve Kerr, Jokic is the head of the snake. Well, I see what he's saying, though. Like, it, Jokic, there's just nothing you can do. I mean, there's there's nothing. So if you're concentrating all your efforts on Jokic, it's going to be a losing effort. But at least with Jamal Murray, you know, maybe you can disrupt that and the rest of the supporting cast there on the Nuggets. And you saw it was a really effective game plan from the Heat in game two. The problem is then you get, you know, the Christian Brown show and these other guys stepping up with the Nuggets. Yeah. And the Heat haven't had a consistent answer for that. But the real problem here is the is the lack of offensive production. It just is. I mean, this is a team that had such a hard time breaking a hundred points. I, I don't I don't have the numbers in front of me. Like how many times in the regular season? I mean, there's a reason this team was an eighth seed, right? It, it, and the shooting just wasn't there during the regular season. They're doing this run without Tyler Hero. It yeah. was been a remarkable run. So I, I think the Tyler Hero angle has gotten overlooked a lot because. They have been so good in the postseason without Tyler Hero. He's their second best player offensively. Like they are quite literally doing this. They're in the NBA finals without their second best 
player offensively, a dude that on a bad season for the Heat was averaging 20 points per game all through the regular season for the Heat. So they certainly missed that production. They missed the shooting, and it would be covered up if the shots were still falling for guys like Max Struess and guys like Gabe Vinson or if Caleb Martin had been feeling better in this series. But the reality is it's the NBA Finals, and sometimes those role players on that sort of stage, the magic ends and they disappear a bit. Totally agree with you on your Tyler point. I would say that the Heat are better defensively, but their ceiling as a team is higher when you have Tyler playing. Right. Yes, that's true. I mean, there's there's some defensive liabilities here, and and certainly Tyler can can be that. But yes, offensively, it's just the production. It's a lack of points here. I mean, defensively, the Heat have still been pretty good in this series, pretty decent at times in the series. Again, the numbers are a little skewed because of what Jokic does. But listen, nobody defensively has an answer for Jokic. And yet we've seen him have his struggles. The real problem here was why I, I, I sound a bit more deflated than I sounded going into game four, not just right. the whole three, one thing, obviously we know the record in the NBA, but it's a fact that Jokic gets in foul trouble and he's on the bench and they start to try to come. But like, if you can't win in that moment, if you can't take back the game in that moment, then I have a hard time having much hope. Yeah. A good friend of mine told me that like, he realized it was all over for the Knicks when Jimmy wasn't playing and they still struggled, it's kind of the right. same kind of thing here. Like Jokic isn't playing and you, I think they only shaved one point off that lead. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, and that was, that was the most disappointing moment for me, really. And it's like, you know, and, and Duncan Robinson's been doing what he can in this series. So adjustment wise, like Spo, can they let Duncan cook more? But I mean, again, it's like, where is it going to come from? I mean, there's just no, it doesn't feel like there is an easy answer. The reality is this series would look a lot different if Jimmy Butler was being Hemi Butler, but you need the 45 point performance from Jimmy. And I just don't know if he's got it anymore in the tank. You've been praising Jokic this entire recording and rightfully so. Is he undisputed? <laughs> is he the undisputed best player in the world at this point? Uh, uh, I don't want to have to praise this Nuggets team right now, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, listen, the knock against Jokic, and I've seen it in this series, like he does not play defense. And so I understand why people, I, I was, I wanted, I was arguing all regular season, Jokic should have been the MVP. I think he deserved yes. to have three back to back to back. Um, I think it was a little bit of just public pressure and ridiculous backlash uh, that caused people to vote for Joel Embiid. But I do understand the idea that, well, Embiid plays defense and Jokic seems to really not bother on the defensive side of the floor. He's just so phenomenal offensively, though. Just so phenomenal. And the reality is, like, that man is so huge. I don't know if I bother to play defense if I'm him either, right? Like, that dude can just stand there and he's playing defense, you know? He can just, like, exist, and it's yeah. a defensive effort on his part. So he's probably his whole life gotten a little maybe used to not having to do so much on that end of the court because he was probably so much bigger than everybody is the reality. But offensively it is just I mean it is it's it's remarkable it's not something I feel like I've witnessed in my lifetime before yeah he's like a combination of so many great players we don't have to get into it today we'll focus on the heat bam so I mean I feel like a lot of people have focus on the Heat's role players on Hemi or Jimmy Butler but how would you grade Bam's season overall and in these and in his postseason because I don't hear enough Bam talk you know um, you know, Heat fans all regular season, very, we're very frustrated with Bam at times. The relationship with Bam can be a frustrating one 
as a Heat fan because I think we all recognize how wildly talented he is and how good he could be. You know, it's like, get out there. You could, like, I think the Heat fan has this maybe unrealistic belief, like, oh, you could be Giannis. Just go for it, bam, you know? And the reality is, like, yeah, Giannis, but he's still very, very good. Obviously, a very, very good player. I think that he's been great in this series. And I understand that there are times that even in this series, he's been frustrating. The Nuggets have been letting him get a lot at times because I think they realize like, okay, sure, bam. Yeah. We'll, we'll let you settle for these floaters all day long. And and mid-range twos, all that. Exactly. And it's like, it's the man's not driving to the basket when he should be. And that's infuriating as a heat fan. You're like, just go at Jokic. He'll get in foul trouble. Just go at him, go at him, go at him. And there hasn't been enough of that. That's a story as old as time with Bam, mm-hmm. is the Heat fan feels like there's this sort of lack of aggression at times from Bam. But the reality is, coming into this series, everybody told me this was the worst matchup in the NBA for Bam. Now, given Jokic is obviously a terrible matchup for most centers in the NBA, but the reality is all, with Bam. All, all, all Amber, all, all centers. All, all centers, <laughs> right? All but specifically with Bam, like he has been terrible against this Nuggets team. This Heat team has been terrible against the Nuggets in the past. I think there's some factors for that that go beyond just Jokic being great. I mean, I think that the reality is when we're normally playing Denver, it's like on the back end of a Western road trip and everyone's exhausted. And no mm-hmm. one's really showing up for it during the regular season. So some of those numbers I think are skewed for a team that is out of conference that you're not seeing that often, but it's been a really ugly matchup in the past. I've been shocked at the point production, even though yes, some of those shots he shouldn't be settling for. I've still been shocked at what he's been able to do, frankly, on both ends of the court, considering who he's going up against like an absolute juggernaut. I've actually been really, really impressed by Bam overall in this series. So I think the heat fan sometimes is, is, is a little, too hypercritical of Bam, but again, I think it comes from a place of of love, where you just see the greatness, and you're like, just a little bit more, buddy, you could do it, you know, like you could too be one of the best in the league. You could do it, no, you okay. could do it. yeah. <laughs> so, okay, looking ahead, um, I Heat are probably going to lose the series, but even if they win, you have to look ahead, right? Um, for you, what are the off season needs for this Miami team? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, off-season needs already there. Um, no, no, still, yeah, I mean, still a game tonight. No, no, I'm saying though. But looking ahead, like even if they win it all, I mean, you still have to look at the. You know, we have to. Look yeah, at well, yeah, it's a look. Uh, I think it looks <laughs> a little different uh, if they win it all or not. I mean, the reality is that Spo and Pat Riley have done a remarkable job with this team. I mean, Jimmy Butler, he's in the NBA Finals for the second time in his four-year stint here. I would imagine if you're Jimmy, you feel like even though. You probably aren't getting a ring out of it in this four year. Probably ain't over yet. Uh, you're probably not getting a ring out of it in this in this four year stint. You probably feel like you made a hell of a good decision coming down to Miami because you weren't anywhere near that place. You weren't you weren't sniffing the NBA Finals before if you were Jimmy Butler. And people didn't believe that you could do it with him as the best player on your team. You can, but you do need a little bit more help around him. And we've seen that they don't they don't have it in terms of getting over like just enough to be able to beat the Lakers or just enough to be able to beat the Nuggets to actually get the ring next time. But they've done a remarkable job. Eastern Conference Finals last year. Like they are right there, even in a down season as an eight seed right now. But they do, it feels like they need a little something. Now, if they win the championship, obviously this conversation changes. And then I don't think you do as much in the offseason because why bother? 
But I think the Damian Lillard angle is an interesting mm. one. If they don't win a ring, the man mm. did say that he would like to come to Miami. Uh, that certainly gave me a butterfly, a little flutters in my heart. I'm sure flutters in the heart of every Heat fan, the idea of that, because he's one of the more exciting players, of course, to watch in the league as well. So in a Dame package, who would be the untouchable players on the well, Heat for so you? That's the problem is that Dame on that podcast where he said that he'd he would have liked to come, you know, been traded to the Heat out of the teams that he was given as an option. He also said, well, because Bam's my boy. And mm. like I have a hard time imagining that Bam's not part of that deal. Not because the Heat want him as part of that deal, but because the Blazers want him as part of that deal. Like you're giving up nothing for Damian Lillard. Like that's not how it works. And unfortunately, the Heat also don't have the draft picks, you know, this isn't Oklahoma city. They're not, they're not the type of franchise, Patty, the type of franchise running this type of franchise to stockpile the picks. So I don't know what the package looks like. Uh, I think the only untouchable player for a deal with Dame, with Dame or maybe like even something crazier, like a Joel Embiid, although I don't think that's probably on the table for Philadelphia, but you know, there's some other players out there. You never know that get floated. I think that nobody is untouchable except for Jimmy Butler. And Udonis. And UD, obviously, but he's retiring, allegedly. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, if you put Bam in that trade package and then you bring Dame in and then his boy's not there, he's not even happy anyway, so it doesn't make sense. Right, so that's what that was my point, is like, I don't know. I, I don't know what you do there, but I've seen Riley do it before. I mean, I've seen Riley do absolutely remarkable stuff. So I felt like Dame in that, and who knows if he's getting traded or if this is really even a conversation. And certainly he's never been the player in the past to force his way out. But if, in fact, this sort of thing comes to fruition, then I've seen Riley create miracles. I feel like he'd have to create another miracle because it seems like Damian Lillard's putting it out there because he's saying, hey, if I end up in Miami, I want Bam to still be part of that. You mentioned Riley, one of the all-time great coaches. And just seeing what Spo has done lately, where do you rank him on the pantheon of coaches? Like, you know, you got Red, you got Riley, um, Popovich. Like, how do you feel about Spo it at this moment. I think he's the best coach in the league, hands down. Yeah, that obviously I, I totally agree. Pop. With you. Totally. Um, and, the you know. and the best coaching staff they have, by the way. Right. Best yeah. coaching staff. Now, some of that obviously comes from some of that's credit to Riley. Some of that's a standard Riley, uh, you know, setup. It's it's certainly all under the Riley tree. And Spo certainly learned from Riley all those years in the way that he did things. So Pat Riley does deserve a lot of credit for Spo, but at this point, it's it's Eric Spolstra and it's nobody else. He's the best best coach in the NBA, rather. Um, you know, Spoh certainly, or uh, Pop is certainly on that list. The thing is, you've seen, like, Pop now given, I don't know if they're trying to do so much, but Pop hasn't been, you know, him doing it with, with less talent. Oh, he got he got Wemby now, though. Right, well, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> I don't know if Pop's really trying to do it with less talent, but if he was trying to do it with less talent, it didn't go so well, is my point. We've seen Spo do it with less True. talent. So, True. like, a LeBron James leaves the team. And yes, there was some ugly years there. I remember them well after LeBron, but it was never like the bottom fell out. You know, it was never that sort of thing. They were still always, you know, in the mid, giving you something to watch as a fan. And then bam, Jimmy Butler, you know, Eastern Conference Finals, NBA Finals, Eastern Conference Finals, NBA Finals. So it's certainly a lot of credit to Eric Spolstra, the way that he has been able to continue to develop this culture that Pat Riley built. Amber, great stuff. You know, you're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find you on ESPN radio and everywhere else? 
Joe and Amber, Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio on Sirius XM Channel 80. And of course, you can find us on the ESPN app. You can also check out the pod on the ESPN app or anywhere that podcasts are available. You're always welcome back on the show, Amber. Talk soon. Thanks for having me. Anytime. There it is. Episode 480 of Combos Court is in the books. Big shouts to Amber for joining in. We appreciate you. Thank you to everyone who tunes into the show across the globe. Punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. And share this episode with a friend and on your social media platforms. Thanks again and be on the lookout for episode 481. Combo out.